staff that inform me about things on Facebook a lot. But uh, I did peek at it yesterday and to see many people getting ready for prom, formals, this kind of thing. And I know we're in that season. And when I look at how times have changed from when I was a, when I was a teenager in prom, and I know some people say, yeah, Mark, we got electricity since then and that kind of stuff. I know how that goes. But, uh, but you know, you'd get the tux and all that kind of stuff. Man, when I look at what they do now, there was actually an article in USA Today this morning that I was kind of perusing about, about prom and, uh, you know, things to watch out for on the prom and this kind of thing. But when I think about, you know, the right dress, your hair, your makeup, your nails, the guys in, in the tux get the right tux or suit or whatever it's going to look. How are we going to drive? Where are we going to eat? How are we going to pay for this? And you get in through this whole thing, and I'm thinking, man, all this preparation for this incredible thing. And then all of a sudden I felt that you know, kind of check into my spirit is this. One day Christ is returning for his bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. And that we're in the process right now of all of this preparation for the day that our groom, Jesus Christ, breaks through and comes back for his bride, the church. And I wonder what, what kind of painstaking, meticulous, gut-checking, heart-checking um, preparation are we doing as the bride of Christ? And you see, that's part of what the Lord's Supper is all about in, in, when I look at it in Scriptures. It's to keep short accounts, you know? Uh, it's to make sure your relationships within the body of Christ are healthy and not and not bad. It's to make sure that you're walking a life uh, circumspectly, that one is that is seeking purity and moral holiness. And, and that when there's things in your life that are out of kilter, that you're willing to come before the Lord and say, God, I, I, this is an area I need to surrender to you again. I've taken it back up, God, and I need to give it back over to you again. And that's part of what the Lord's Supper is so about. Now, for you that are guests, we have the Lord's Supper every week, but but on this fifth Sunday, we love to come together for all of us as family and take it together. And I'll, I want to spend just a few minutes in God's Word just to let this help prepare your hearts, okay? So if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I want you to go to the to the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews is towards the end of the New Testament for you that are new to Scripture. And I always love it that we have people that are just wading in to the Word of God to see what it's about. And the book of Hebrews is in the New Testament towards the end. We do not know who the writer was, and I love that. Uh, I love that we actually have a book. We don't know who the writer was because, uh, you know, we can we can start thinking who we think that may have been that 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 uh, addressed this letter. But in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it to me is a golden. For me personally, it is a golden passage of scripture, and we're going to look at just three verses today. But you got to back up into Hebrews chapter 11. And let me just tell you what's taking place in Hebrews chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews is, is writing about all of this hall of fame of faith that's come back right from the very beginning. And he starts listing out people and how that they were people of faith. How that uh, they, they had faith. This person had faith. Um, Enoch had faith and walked with God and he was no more. You know, God took him. The, you talk about Abraham, that Abraham was a man of faith, that God just said, go. And he didn't, Abraham didn't say, where am I going? He just went. And, and Abraham was a man of faith. And then you string it all along until you get to Moses and how Moses was such a man of great faith. And he, he saw that following the Lord was of greater value than the treasures of this earth. And so we see that incredible thing. And we, we see even how he talks about certain prophets that came along that gave their life up. And it says the world was not worthy of them. So he's talking about this great hall of fame of faith. 
And then he comes to Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, this is what it says. I'm going to read the, 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 the first three verses here. It says, therefore, so you know what the therefore is there for because of what happened in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Isn't that great? So that you won't grow weary and lose heart. I don't know about you. I grow weary sometimes. And I start looking at things around me instead of gazing upon Jesus, and I get discouraged. I get down, I'm thinking, God, is, this, is, this, is, this is making me get angst in my spirit. It's making me worry about things on this planet. But he gave us incredible instructions here. And I want to just unpack this, if you'll allow me just a moment. He says this, he says, we're surrounded by all this great crowd of witnesses. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. One is, it's the writer probably had the Olympic Games or the Isthmus Games in his mind, and he's talking about the runner who's on the track, and the stands are packed full of these men and women of faith, and they're screaming down, go, go, they're encouraging, go for it, go for it. That's one way of looking at it. I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I, I need encouragement, so I, I don't mind that, but I think there's a, there's a deeper way of looking at this. Because look at what the writer did. He began with the beginning and he starts walking through, walking through, walking through these great people of faith. And then all of a sudden he comes to these people. And I think it's like this. I think all of these men and women have run the race faithfully before us. And they've given us an incredible example. And now it's a relay race and they're saying, here's the baton, you run with it. What are you going to do with it? And I think today we're running our leg of the race. We're not going to be here forever. We're going to turn it over to another generation who's going to turn it over to another generation until Christ returns. But until that time, we've got the baton. How are you going to run with it? Central, how are you going to run with it? What are you going to do with it? What kind of impact? When, when we hand the baton out, will the next generation say, those people were faithful. They showed us what it was all about. And so that's what he says. They're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And so he says this, let us throw off everything that hinders. Now, let me say this as politically correct as I could. In the Olympics in this first century, they stripped down as bare as they could to do the running. They didn't want anything that would, would hinder them at all. Now, he says there's two things. He says those things that hinder and then the sin that entangles. Those things that hinder are not necessarily evil things. Let's be honest. The thing that often keeps us from being so close to Christ is not evil, but it's so many good things that we're pursuing. We're pursuing so many good things that our basket is so full that it's hindering us from pursuing Christ. And you know it as well as I do. And the writer is saying this. You've got to throw off those things that are hindering you. The most important thing is is Jesus Christ and pursuing Him, what are those things that... And I ask you today, what are the things that are your hindrances? 
What are those things? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your, your prestige and your notoriety? And, or is it uh, money? Or is it whatever it is? Pleasure. But you're pursuing it so much that you can't even pause to pursue Christ. But then he says this. But then he talks about the sins that entangle. And we think, what in the world does that mean? Here's the picture. It would have been a, a Jewish man who has his robe that would go down and, and he is trying to run. Now what's going to happen if he's going to try to run, he's going to get his knees in that thing, he's going to trip up and it's going to take him down. So what did a guy need to do if he was going to run? He would take that robe, he would tuck it into the belt and he would run. He's getting aside those things that entangle him. And that's the question of today. What is the sins that entangle us? What are those things, those moral situations those decisions we've made, those things that are sinful against what God's plan was, what are those things that have entangled us today? And I know some of you are thinking, Mark, I have given that to God a hundred times. How many times can I confess lust? How many times can I uh, 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 confess about envy and jealousy and gossip and these kind of things? How many times? Because I keep picking it back up. What am I supposed to do? Let it down one more time. Lay it down. He says, throw aside those things that hinder. Throw aside those things that easily entangle you. And then he says this, let us run with perseverance. It's going to take effort to live out the Christian life. It is going to take effort. Whoever says that, oh, you just become a Christian and everything is just, you're never going to have a problem again. It's a piece of cake. They lied to you. Because we're on necessarily uh, uh, foreign soil. You've been put behind enemy lines all of a sudden, and all of a sudden somebody's going to tell you you're not going to have any problems? Look at what Jesus went through. Why would his followers not go through the same thing? And he says, let us run with, with perseverance or endurance this race, and the word race here in the Greek, which it was written in, literally is the same word we get agony from. Let us run with agony this race that is marked out for us, that there is, there, the lack of desire is unacceptable. Lack of desire. Everyone must be in the game. You can't rest on somebody else's walk. You've got your own particular walk. And then this is what he says. Verse 2. It all comes down to this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, to me, when we come to the Lord's Supper, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to set aside those things that hinder, those sins that entangle, but most important of all, it's to fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's get our gaze back where it's supposed to be. You know, we know today because we have seen the horrors over the last month about what happens when somebody texts and drives. You know, it's one thing to text and to see it affect you, but when you kill other people, you see the effects. We are called to keep our eyes on the road, to look at what's going on about us. When we do have to glance off, we don't just stare over there. We pull it back. We, we glance. But we keep our gaze in front of us. And we know what happens when we get distracted. It's the same thing that happens in here. Somebody distracts you from hearing the Word of God. Somebody is, is doing something to you that keeps you from being able to focus what has happened. You're thinking, well, it's just something that's happened. No, no, no. It's keeping you from the most important thing. And, and so what, what the writer is saying here is that you have got to come back 
today of fixing your eyes upon Jesus. To fix your eyes upon the author and the perfecter from beginning to end of your faith. Who you're going to someday stand before. Okay? So we may think, oh, is it that big a deal? Listen, you're not going to step out of here someday and just think, oh, that's it. No, you're going to stand in the presence of the King. And so fix your eyes upon Jesus. And this is not easy. And here's my thought. We as individuals are often seeking God for stuff. And most of our prayers are this. Oh, God, would you heal me? Oh, God, would you make life better? Oh, God, would you give me favor in my job? Oh, God, would you do this? Oh, God, would you raise my kids correctly so they don't rebel? Oh, God, would you do this for me? God, who is that prayer about? It's about you. It's not about the Lord. It's all about you. And what, what prayer is, what God is trying to do is have a heart connect with us. And He is all we need. He told Paul, he said, My strength is perfected in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. It is sufficient. You're going to go through hard times. And I mean, I can't stand up here and say, Oh, oh you know, you're not going to go through these. You're going to go through hard times. And He wants you to put your gaze upon Him because He is the one that brings peace. He is the one that brings healing. He is the one that brings comfort. He is the one that brings guidance. But you know, it's the same as a church. You know, the church wants direction and we want peace and we want unity and we want the power of God and we want this and we want that. And so we find ourselves all of a sudden it revolves around us once again instead of saying, Jesus, we just want you. You know, I can't think of a better compliment for a congregation of followers of Jesus Christ than for someone to come and be in the midst of you and walk away and say, man, I don't know what they stand for other than they stand for Jesus. That's what I would want. And so today my prayer is, God, come back and let our focus be on you. This past Tuesday morning, I was in a a small group of pastors in Austin. We were listening to a guy speak, and he said some great things. I'm, I'm typing them out on my phone. I'm thinking, man, that's good, that's good. And then all of a sudden, he didn't even say this, and it just seemed to resonate in my brain. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? So I'm, I'm typing that out and thinking, this guy didn't say that. I'm just, you know, it's one of those aha moments with the Holy Spirit. But I, it, I've chewed on it all week long. I shared it with the men Wednesday morning, even in part of the talk. But here, I want to I share with you what I, what I typed up. I need something that I do not have to do something that I cannot do. Let me read that again. I need something that I do not have to do something that I cannot do. See, that's the Christian walk. God is calling us to to have purity, moral purity. God, I can't do that. I know you can't. That's why I can do it. So I'm asking you to do something you cannot do, so I'm going to have to give you something that you do not have to make it happen. God, I want to be saved. I don't want to die in my sin. You cannot do that in yourself. I can only give you what you need for that to happen. He will call me to walk into holiness, and I cannot do this on myself. He will call me into the fire, and I cannot do this in myself. He will call me to follow Him into the impossible, and I cannot do that in myself. Because here's what we do. You ready for this? God wants to do God-sized things in us, 
But we are so content to look at our own resources and what I can do, what I can think it up and what I can plan. And we tell God, this is what we're going to do for you, God. Instead of from him hearing, this is the impossible. You cannot do it on your own. So for you to be able to do it, you're going to need me. And so today we come back to this very place to say, God, I cannot do this. You're asking the impossible of me. I need you. And it's the same way with churches. God has called us to fulfill the Great Commission, to go on to all the world and make disciples. Do you really think we can man-made plan that out? Go and make a difference in the world. Be holy in this community. Be a moral compass. Be, be, the, be me in this community. Do you think we can do that without Him? And He's saying, I am asking you to do something you cannot do, and you need me to do it. See, that keeps me humble. Do not think more highly of yourself than you should. And it keeps me humble. And all I can do is celebrate that He, through His resurrection, has given me the grace of Jesus Christ. I can't do it on my own. In World War II, there were some Turkish soldiers who were outside of Jerusalem and they were making their way early morning hours. And and, uh, as they were going along, they came upon a herd of sheep that were blocking the way. The shepherds were, were kind of asleep over on the side. It was that early. And as along comes these Turkish soldiers, they start dispersing the sheep and scattering the sheep so they can get through. And so the sheep are now getting all over the place because they, they're scattering. And all of a sudden the shepherd wakes up to all of this distraction and he goes over there thinking, initially, how am I going to get all my sheep back? They've scattered them all over the place. And so he goes to a high enough ridge and he begins to make his call Unto his sheep that he make every day when it's time to eat. And what happens is one by one, those sheep start coming back to the shepherd. Kind of a neat story, but I think that's part of what the Lord's Supper is. I think it's Jesus Christ being elevated back to his proper place on what he did through the cross and through his resurrection. Elevated to the proper place. And he is saying, disperse sheep, it's time to come back. It's time to come back. It's a clear call. So here's the deal. Before you come to the table, are you willing to look at the hindrances that are keeping you from pursuing Jesus? Are you willing to look at the sins that entangle you? Are you willing to look at broken relationships that need to get right? Are you willing to come and say, Jesus, I have been I've been texting, man, instead of gazing upon you. And the Lord is saying. Come. Come. Now, what we're going to do is this. You know, I think sometimes you need somebody to pray with, and then I think sometimes you just got to wrestle with God. So, Brett and the team are going to come back up here, and they're going to they're going to sing. And what we're going to do is we're just going to through the midst of this song is a chance for you to respond as the Spirit of God is leading you. Maybe you want to take somebody by the hand. Say, Hey, would you go up there to the steps to the altar with me and just pray? Or maybe you're just needing to come and pray and, and, and just come before the Lord. I, I tell you, it is my prayer, and I've been praying this all week long as I've wrestled through that thought about, I, God, I cannot do this. You're asking me to do something I cannot do with something I do not have, and so I need you. I need you. I need you to do the God-sized impossible things that you're asking us to do. And so all I can do is say, Jesus, be elevated in this place. And that's what I pray over the next few minutes. And so I want you to stand with me reverently. And uh, if you want to come to this altar...
You want to kneel where you're at? I don't care. Whatever posture is going to allow you to get close to the Lord. Lord, we come before you. Lord, I don't want us to miss this moment. In fact, church, I, I just I invite you now, if you need to come, kneel, lay aside the hindrances and the, the entanglements. You just come on right now. Maybe you're needing to pray. Reset your gaze. You're thinking, Mark, why do I need to go to those steps? You don't. But to me, I've always, just, I've always figured out if I can go leave them somewhere else, maybe I don't pick them up when I leave. So it's a good place to come to. So, Lord, I'm praying now. God, you're asking something of us we cannot do in our own. We need you. Jesus, be exalted in this place. Lord, I pray against any hindrances or distractions right now. You come. You deal with God. God. 